One of the greatest obstacles to crafting health and wellness is identifying and controlling inflammation. It's at the core of all complex and chronic diseases, and it's the driving mechanism that underlies the most common symptoms that people like you struggle to overcome. Join us as we explore cutting-edge science and research to give you the information and tools you need to create the quality of life you want and deserve. And now, here is the host of Inflammation Nation, Dr. Stephen Nosworthy. Hey guys, and welcome back to the Inflammation Nation podcast. Uh, this will be the last episode in our detoxification series. And just a reminder, you can download some of the slides or the handouts that I use in my 3D detox program. You can find that uh, at the bottom of the first page of my website, which is drnosworthy.com. That's drnosworthy.com. Um, as we ended the last episode, I made some comments about visceral and subcutaneous fat. And I realized that I you know, maybe rush through that a little bit. So I want to go back and just hit a couple of the high points. And we'll talk about just kind of summing things up and try to put some of the main concepts together before we move on to a different series. Um, and so one of the things that we talked about in the last episode was how toxins accumulate in fatty tissue. And of course, the main target for that is going to be your body fat. It's going to be the fat that lies under your skin, your subcutaneous fat, as well as the fat that surrounds your organs called your uh, your visceral fat. And, it, and it's the visceral fat that is the unhealthy fat. In, in fact, it is quite possible for someone to carry around excess body fat in the sense of, you know, either mild, moderate, or, or even severe obesity, and yet be relatively metabolically healthy. In the literature, we have a term which is um, metabolically healthy obese people or atypical metabolically healthy people. Um, and the difference between someone who carries excess body fat who might be in a chronic state of inflammation and hormonal imbalances and is unwell, and someone who carries the same excess body fat and seems to be fairly well, quite often is the difference in their visceral fat. Um, and we also talked about some of the differences between white adipose tissue and brown adipose tissue. And we'll, we'll return to that in a second. I made a comment that, you know, on, on one hand, having some excess body fat confers a little bit of an advantage to us because fat cells sequester toxins, that's fat stores toxins, and it prevents them from interacting with and damaging more cells as they would otherwise circulate through your body. But obviously, on the other hand, the more fat you carry, the more toxins you can store. These toxins constantly leach out. And if the fat you carry tends to be the visceral fat and not the subcutaneous kind, then you can be very metabolically unhealthy, uh, certainly for other reasons. And so one of the main takeaways of our conversation from last time is to talk about the difference between white fat cells and brown fat cells uh, and, and why one might be more advantageous than the other and things that we can do to convert white fat cells, which are the unfavorable kind, into cells that behave like brown fat cells. And that's the process of what, what is called browning or beiging. And so the difference, again, just to recap, is that the white fat cells are white because they have fewer mitochondria, which are energy-producing elements of your cells. And this is where most of the, the 
toxins are stored. They're stored in these white fat cells. They, they tend to have a lower metabolic state. They can be larger and metabolically unhealthy in the sense that they can create inflammation and secrete hormones. And um, these are the ones that basically become your largest storage depot, not just for fat itself, but for the toxins that love to live where fat lives as well. On the other hand, brown fat cells are brown because they have more mitochondria, and that means they have a higher metabolic state. They consume more energy. They produce more heat, which is actually advantageous to us. But because they tend to be smaller and healthier, the cells themselves, they store less fat and therefore they store fewer toxins. The problem is, is that as we age, we tend to lose our brown fat cell population. And depending on diet, lifestyle, and environmental factors and other things, um, we tend to accumulate white fat cells, which tend to increase the fat mass by going through the process of hypertrophy, which basically means the cells get bigger, and this is where they store more fat, more toxins, and become inflamed and metabolically active. In all the studies that we see on brown white tissue, I'm sorry, brown fat cells versus white fat cells, is that if you have a larger proportion of brown cells compared to white, then that leads to less obesity. And, and again, that's advantageous to us for several different reasons. I've learned that I can pause and then just go edit out the pauses. <clears throat> and one of the final thoughts that I shared in the last episode was that one of the most powerful ways to drive the browning of white fat cells, to convert them into cells that are healthier for us, uh, is actually exercise. And I kind of jokingly said that nobody wants to hear that because, um, you know, who wants to exercise? Well, I do personally. I love to exercise. And obviously there are people who do love to exercise. Um, but, you know, sometimes we have to kind of pile up the reasons why exercise is a good idea for someone who doesn't necessarily like to exercise to commit to doing that. And one of the reasons, compelling reasons, in my opinion, for someone to begin exercising is not just because they want to lose weight and reduce their body fat, but, but because of the impact that this has on reducing the fat mass and therefore the toxin storage potential that somebody has, but also simply because exercise in and of itself can convert white cells into these beige or brown-like cells that behave like brown cells and are metabolically more healthy. And I believe I ended the last episode by saying, you know, this time we'll talk just a little bit about some of the supplements that you can use. And, and these are shown in the literature to also cause browning of white fat cells but I wouldn't do these in the absence of exercise. I mean, I wouldn't, wouldn't listen to this list and go, okay, well, I don't want to exercise. All I have to do is take fish oil or all I have to do is, you know, take resveratrol or, or curcumin and it will do the same thing. And, and I would suggest to you, no. In fact, I would suggest to you that the most powerful strategy, if you're in a detoxification mindset and you're trying to shift not just the mass of your fat cells, but the behavior and the type of fat cells that you have is to combine exercise with supplementation. That would be the fastest way to do that, as long as you are also working to identify any other obstacles to losing body fat, uh, et cetera. And so I'm just gonna give you a short list of, of three or four, maybe five different supplements that are studied in the literature for this purpose. And these would be turmeric, or also known as curcumin, resveratrol, fish oil, 
capsaicin, green tea, and ginger. And the interesting thing about it is that, um, you know, when you look at these as a, let's say, a group of supplements, and we ask the question, what supplements in the literature can potentially do the most for us because they interact with many different metabolic systems, it, it would be kind of this list. Like turmeric, resveratrol, fish oil, ginger particularly, have so much research behind them, not just as anti-inflammatory compounds, but also inter, interacting with our sirtuin system, our anti-aging systems, and supporting brain health, and so on and so on. The list really grows. And so in reality, if we had things that were as close to silver bullets as we could get, it would be things like this same list. So again, that list is turmeric, resveratrol, fish oil, capsaicin, green tea, and ginger. And hopefully that, that is helpful for you. So one of the fine, final things that I want to end this, um, this episode and this little mini-series on is by looking at some things that would be potentially bad combinations. And what I mean by a bad combination is that if these things are present or the more of these things that are present, the more difficult it is to detoxify or the more careful you have to be about the process that you go through. And just as a reminder, the whole point of the 3D detox approach, you know, this mindset, if not the actual program itself, is to make sure that we're, we're thinking a little bit in a little bit more sophisticated manner than simply equating detoxification with taking a supplement like milk thistle or dandelion or any of using any of the, the detox supplement combinations that you might find out on the internet or buying into this nonsensical idea that you can do a three week detox and, and that's going to solve a lot of your problems. And so I'm just going to give you this list and, and maybe make a couple of comments about it. But the more of these things that you find are true for you, the more sophisticated you need to be in your approach to detoxification. And, and in some cases you might need help and someone to guide you through that process. But the first thing is poor detox capacity. We talked before about dirty genes and how there are genes that control the production of phase one enzymes in the liver. Some people are just simply poor metabolizers, and that is the genetic hand that they have dealt in this game of life, so to speak. And you can recognize yourself. You don't necessarily need to run out and spend a couple hundred dollars on gene testing, which may not be the best way to spend your money anyways. Um, but if you are the type of person that tends to get the side effects of any supplement or medication that you take. If you tend to have to take lower doses because normal dosing that other people tolerate are too strong, too powerful for you, then chances are you've got poor detoxific detoxification capacity. Um, if you are a female and you're in your reproductive years, one of the consistent signs that we see poor detoxification capacity, particularly of hormone-based compounds, is whether or not you have cycle-related acne. Um, some, some women have clear skin up until the point where their cycle hits and then they get acne, and then it disappears when that cycle is over. Or maybe you might have some acne spots throughout the month, but it gets noticeably worse during their cycle. This is almost always associated with poor detoxification capacity 
with certain types of hormone compounds, which would then translate into other challenges with detoxification as well. So that's one thing. It's bad to have that poor detox capacity. On top of that, if you are a person with deep, poor detox capacity and you carry around excess body fat, especially if your body fat is more visceral than subcutaneous, and if you have more white adipose tissue than brown adipose tissue, which you typically will if your diet's not great and if you're not exercising, then those two combine together, right? I mean, it's one thing to say you've got poor detox capacity, but if you're super lean and you have no visceral fat and you're exercising all the time and you're converting your white fat cells into more brown-like fat cells, then they don't compound each other. But when you have both of those, both together are worse than the sum of each one of those together. And we can throw on top of that having poor antioxidant status, especially glutathione. Glutathione is your mac daddy of all intracellular antioxidants that protects your cells from damage from things like inflammation and oxidative stress. But if you remember, it also participates in phase two detoxification. Glutathione conjugation is one of the ways that we bind to toxins that are passing through the liver to convert them or to create a situation where if we can eliminate them through either sweat or urine or, or stool. But also as glutathione circulates throughout your body, whether it's in your bloodstream or your intracellular, extracellular spaces, glutathione can bind to toxins and chemicals and heavy metals that are just generally in circulation. Now, how do you get to the point where your, your glutathione status is depleted? Well, by being chronically stressed and inflamed and having toxins and having autoimmunity and having blood sugar instability and so on and so on and so on. So basically all the things that you might struggle with if you're part of the inflammation nation is going to tend to deplete your glutathione. And if we stack all of these things together, let's say that you are someone who was chronically inflamed and stressed for whatever reason, and you have poor detox capacity and you carry excess body fat, and it tends to be visceral and you're not exercising and browning your white fat cells, then each one of those compounds to create a worse combination. And then finally, there's a couple of other things, and these are, are relatively broad in general. One is um, trying to engage in some kind of a rapid fat loss strategy without doing some kind of a deload or pre-tox process. And the reason why I say that is, you know, there's any number of people out there of different credentials and persuasions who will encourage you to join their program and lose you know, 20 pounds in three weeks or whatever the case might be. Now, you probably know that rapid weight loss early on a program like that, a lot of that is actually just dropping water weight and that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But then what do you do after that becomes the big question. But if you have rapid fat loss that extends beyond maybe, you know, the first eight or 10 pounds that represents excess water weight and you are breaking down fat cells very rapidly, let's say you you hit the gym like crazy and you're eating only, I don't know, 800 calories a day. Maybe you're doing some kind of like an HCG type program and you're losing fat more than the recommended one to two pounds of, of body or one to two pounds per week. Then what ends up happening is that these fat cells that are breaking down and dumping their fat contents are also dumping toxins into your bloodstream. And if you are that person who has poor detox capacity, more visceral fat, and poor antioxidant status, 
then that rapid fat loss is going to increase your toxin load, not because you have more toxins coming in from the outside, but because you are releasing toxins that are already stored in that body fat that you're breaking down very quickly. And usually what ends up happening with these rapid fat loss scenarios without doing some kind of a deload or a pre-talk strategy is that you hit a wall, you get massively inflamed, and then you have rebound weight gain and you gain not only the weight that you lost, but you gain more. And you end up just in this cyclical yo-yo kind of situation. And then finally, another bad combination would be having a diet that is high in unhealthy omega-6 fatty acids. Um, and there's a lot that actually can be said about this, but the omega-6 fatty acids basically come um, predominantly from what we might call an industrial vegetable and seed oil. So we're talking about things like corn oil or canola oil or sunflower or safflower, et cetera. And these unhealthy omega-6 fatty acids, because there are some healthy ones, um, do a couple of things. Number one, they are highly pro-inflammatory. They are very susceptible to being oxidized by free radicals and then promoting inflammation. But basically, when you look at your cell membranes, we've talked about this before, about cell membranes are uh, you know, kind of like a bilipid structure, right? So all of your cell membranes have a fatty acid component. And what do you think they're made up of? <laughs> they're made up of the fats that you are consuming. And so if your diet is high in unhealthy omega-6 fatty acids, which the standard American diet is, then what ends up happening over a period of time is that your cells and your cell membranes remodel themselves and get these, these omega-6 fatty acids get incorporated into your cell membrane, which then drives inflammation in and of itself. And so one of the simple things you can do is just quit consuming vegetable and seed oils. There's actually no reason to do that. And if you look in at the history of that part of the health industry or the food industry, I should say, because there's nothing healthy about them that all of these vegetable and seed oils originally were used as lubricants for heavy machinery on farms and in industrial plants. They were not originally designed or used for human consumption. It's a little known factoid about the history of fatty acids and, and oils. Um, so let me go over that list one more time very quickly, and then we'll bring this episode in this mini series to a close. And I'm, I'm giving you this because I want you to, to do some kind of a self-assessment where you can look at yourself and go, wow, I've got X number of things that are stacked against me in my effort to detox. Maybe no wonder detox doesn't make me feel good, or maybe that's why detoxification hasn't worked for me. So number one is, do you have signs and evidence of having poor detox capacity? Number two is, do you carry excess body fat? And is it most likely to be more visceral than subcutaneous? We can look at waste measurements. We talked about that in the last episode. Um, we can look at waste measurements as a general indicator. Do I think I have poor antioxidant status? Do I think that my inflammatory state, my stress chemistry has depleted my glutathione? Have I experienced rapid fat loss without prepping my body to do so? And have I felt this losing weight quickly, then I crash and hit a wall and then everything rebounds. And then finally, when I look at my diet and I, am I consuming foods um, that are high in unhealthy omega-6 fatty acids? And the more of those things that in that list that you have, the more of a challenge your detoxification process is going to be. 
All right, so I'm going to leave it there. And thanks for hanging out with me during this detox series. Next, we'll be back and we'll be talking about some of the priorities that we need to think or about or keep in mind when it comes to healthy fat loss or healthy weight loss. Stay tuned and thanks for being part of the Inflammation Nation. Thank you so much for listening to the Inflammation Nation. If you found this episode valuable, please rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast. Be the first to know when a new episode drops so that you can stay on top of your game. It also helps others like you find the answers they need. And why not head over to my main website, drnoseworthy.com, that's drnoseworthy.com, to explore my personalized functional medicine coaching programs, submit a question to the podcast, maybe take a quiz, or even reach out to me using the contact form that you can find there. We'll see you next time.